But I want to teach on prayer tonight and how Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them to pray. Now, if the disciples needed to know how to pray and they were with Jesus for three and a half years, I think it's legitimate to say that we also can learn some things about prayer, right? We're going to try to strive to do that tonight. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And we're just going to kind of break this down a little bit and talk about some other principles of prayer that we'll find in other uh, books of the Bible. But Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. I'm reading from the King James Version tonight. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it's interesting they were watching him pray. And we don't know if this is the first time that they asked him about prayer, but we do know that they did. And they probably noticed that when you look at the Bible, almost every time that Jesus spends a night in prayer or something like that, that there's miraculous things that take place right after that. If we want to have miraculous things happen in our life, I think Jesus is the model for that. Not that we have to pray all night, uh, but prayer is important. Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Remember, some of the disciples came from John to Jesus. And John was already teaching how to pray, and then they asked Jesus about prayer. And he said unto them, when you pray, right? Not if, right? But when. So we're going we're to talk about some of these key words. When you pray, say, our Father. That was important. I don't know if you underline in your Bible or not, but our Father is very important uh, to this prayer. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Maybe I memorize NIV. I just remember saying this prayer when I was on the basketball team. Probably one of the first times I said it, because everybody, that's what we prayed, right? Before we went out to play basketball. So Jesus said, when you pray. What does that mean that he had, what kind of attitude did he have about prayer? You should pray, right? So he had an expectation, is what the word that I'm looking at. He had an expectation that we would pray. It, it is that important. He didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. So there's an expectation that Christians would pray. I mean, it knows that the Lord hears us when we pray, right? And uh, he hears a sinner when he prays a sinner's prayer, right? Aren't you thankful for that? Because we were all there at one day, right? But he, he hears our prayers. And he, 
He said, pray our Father. Now this was radical for these disciples. It really was. Uh, our Father. What does that say? It's a familiarity, right? A uh, closeness. A relationship. Right? Why, why did I say this is radical for these Jewish disciples is because I'm not saying honoring God is bad, but I'm saying that we need to have a relationship with the Lord, right? Not uh, The Jews were known that they wouldn't even say the full name of God. Judaism, he's called Yahweh, right? And they, and they, 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 they couldn't go with just the high priest could go in and only one time a year into the very presence of God. So here's this familiarity uh, that changes the whole foundation of prayer for these Jewish men. I mean, it is life-changing, amazing to them. He's God, but moreover, he's our Father, right? He's the Heavenly Father. So this speaks of relationship. This past week when I was preaching about that Jesus prays for us and I first of all said that he prayed for himself and when he did he prayed father and he prayed about himself as son right so here's this deep deep relationship and how many knows that we are children of God the Bible tells us that beloved now are you the sons of God, right? And so, uh, while there's this familiarity and personalness, there is also still a reverence. I mean, knows that we can do both, right? There, there, there's a, a reverence for God that we ought to have. It says, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. So, he wasn't teaching his disciples to be so familiar with God that they disrespected him. I'm really trying not to talk about any particular denomination or whatever, but some denominations, in my opinion, go a little far in this. Say things like Papa instead of Father or God. My opinion that may be on the edge, but here Jesus says, our Father. So it's pretty personal. Now I call my dad, Dad. Here he's teaching that we are to have a deep relationship with him, but yet honor him. We're no longer just friends of God, no longer just servants of God. We're children of the Most High. Because of our relationship with the Lord and that he now calls us sons and daughters, when we go to prayer, we have authority in prayer. We have authority. What does, what does that word really speak to you? What does authority mean? Power about it, right? What else? A, a right? Privilege, right? Right? Permission? Yeah. We have, we have authority when we go before God 
because we're children of God. And he's our Heavenly Father. How many have read the uh, parable of the prodigal son? I, I honestly, I think it would be better if it was really the parable of the good father because it's really more about the father than it is the son. But the son comes to himself and he says, he remembered when it was better in God's house or in the father's house, I should say, his father's house, than uh, it is where he's at. So because he's trapped, he is in a pig pen, right? And uh, he's feeding pigs. Comes to himself and he goes to the father. And what does the father do? He tells the father, just take me in as a, what? A slave, a servant. Don't call me son. You don't have to do anything for me. I just want to be able to eat uh, the food that you would provide even to the servant. And, of course, the father doesn't even, he cuts him off mid-sentence. He welcomes him, puts his head on his shoulder, cries, uh, and he goes, and he tells him to go get the, so get the rope, get the ring, and then kill the fatty calf, right? I don't know if you've studied it that way, but they're welcoming not of a servant, but of a son, right? Because it was probably the father's will. And it was more than likely the ring that gave the son authority because they used to use wax and they would take the ring, the family crest, if you will, and they would dip it in that wax and they could seal documents with that. And so he welcomed him as a son. So it, it's interesting when you begin to see these parallels. If I were to ask you, what is prayer? Communication. So prayer is communication with God. Very simple. Now, prayer can look like many different things. How many knows that prayer doesn't always fall an outline? We kind of see an outline here in this passage. But have you ever been going down the road? I know I have. Car pull out in front of you, cars heading across the road towards you, and you didn't have time to get out the memory bank and remember our Father, which art in heaven. How's that go? What did you do? Oh, God, right? You just call out for God. Prayer doesn't have to be. You know, a big outline thing. Uh, if you have time to pray a lengthy prayer, that's wonderful. So, but prayer is important. It's key in our relationship with God, right? In a manner of speaking that we can almost dispatch angels to act on our behalf because God's given us that authority. I don't get too much into angels, okay? I don't pray to angels. I don't pray to, I pray to God or to Jesus through, you know what I'm saying? Pray to God through Jesus. Prayer is communication. It's the foundation for any relationship. Communication is. Uh, if you ask people who've been divorced, what do they invariably say was the problem? It's going to boil down to we stopped communicating, stopped talking, right? If you want to be close to the Lord, that's 
is now. I remember either reading it or reading of it where this man would pull out a chair and he'd, you know, pray and, and imagine in his mind that God's sitting there in that chair so he could communicate with him. I don't find anything wrong with that uh, because he's closer than we can imagine, right? And so God's, God's very close to us. The problem is not with God. It's with us. If we have a problem with communication, it's not with God, it's with us, right? I always say this, that the whole book of the Bible is God reaching out to his creation, to us, his children, right? And, and from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you see that God's always giving people a chance to come back to him and, and to restore that relationship. Communication is key. How many want to pray and your prayer get answered? All right. If you didn't raise your hand, that's called lying. Uh, no. <laughs> Everybody wants to have their, their prayer answered, right? So what are some of the keys? Now, I'm not giving you a formula. How many knows that God answers prayer at his own discretion? And that sometimes we pray things that we shouldn't pray. We pray things that aren't in God's will. I'm, I'm not sure if you won the lottery, it's because you prayed that you would win the lottery. Let's just say that, right? So what is important in prayer? What attitude? What, what do we need to have when we go to God in prayer? Hebrews 11, 6. Faith. Faith. It says, but without faith, you, you guys can probably finish this. It is what? Impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, this, by the way, this used to be Brother McKinley's favorite verse. He'd quote it every time somebody asked him to testify. He'd say, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you begin to break this down, faith is, if you can't please God without faith, then you need faith when you pray. Faith is a prerequisite. So faith is vital when we pray. It's important. We want to please God in our prayer life. We want to have our prayers answered, then we've got to have faith. And by the way, the faith that you need is already given to you. It's given to each man, woman, a measure of faith. So we, we have a tendency, if we don't watch it, to talk about mustering up faith. But what we need to do is take the faith that he's already given us and put it to work. Right? Because faith without works is dead. So faith is a prerequisite. He that cometh to God. That's what the scripture says. He that come, what is that? That's prayer. Right? He that cometh to God. That's prayer. Diligently seek him. What is that? That's prayer. Well this whole scripture is about prayer. And that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. That means 
Answered prayer is a reward from God. And he answers our prayer, number one, because it's in his will. Number two, because we brought it to him. I think we have a lot of unanswered questions and prayers and things because we don't even bring it to God. You know what we do first most of the time instead of bringing it to God? Complain about it. What about what else? Try to fix it ourselves. What else? Talk to other people about it. Well, the big one is we worry. We worry first. Wouldn't we be better off if we just gave it to God? Right? So uh, faith is important. Let's talk about faith. Can I back up what I'm telling you? James 1, 5, and 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's prayer, right? That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. If we don't watch it, we have a tendency to go to God and ask God for something and then walk away thinking, well, he ain't going to give that. I know I'm not the only one that does that, right? If, if we don't watch it, we pray and we and we, and we say things and, and it might even be a godly prayer. It might be in his will. It might be a, a level of faith, but then we walk away and we're like, Well, if we don't have faith, then it, probably, it might not. It probably won't happen, right? No, nothing wavering. That means don't waver back and forth in your mind, but ask God for it and believe Him for it. I mean, knows that God operates in His own time frame too, though, right? So if you ask God for something, and he don't do it in 2.2 seconds like you wanted him to do. And then you walk away and say, well, that was useless. I don't know why I didn't pray that. Right? But God doesn't operate in your timing. He operates in the timing of the kingdom. And the timing of the kingdom is perfect. He's never late in the timing of the kingdom. How many have prayed something and wished God had answered it a whole lot faster than he did? But when it comes down to it, he probably answered it better than you could have thought about him answering it. Sometimes the best thing to happen to us is an unanswered prayer, right? right. Uh, that we prayed incorrectly, that we prayed because it was our desire and our uh, what we wanted, but yet it wasn't like alignment is important when you pray. Pastor, how do I know what to pray? Get your Bible out, find some promises in there, and begin to pray them. Does the Bible say that we're healed? That God heals us? It does. It says by the stripes of Jesus, we are already made whole, right? So when we pray a prayer of faith for healing, that's in alignment with God's word. Again, God's timing. When God healed my left leg and it grew out an inch and an eighth, 
I know people look at those, it happened to me, okay? I look at all those things that happen at televangelist meetings and all those kinds of things, but this was me. So I can tell you, God miraculously healed me, right? So that's a prayer that's in alignment with God's word, his plan. I was born that way. And it happened just a few years ago. How many times do you think I prayed for God to heal that? Mom, how many times did you pray for God to heal that, right? Because I was born with that. But God's timing, right? Where he gets all the glory. I'm reminded whenever there was a man who would lay by the gate called Beautiful going into the temple, and he had been there, I think this is correct, 40 years, born, lame. And Peter and John, you know, the whole story of silver and gold we don't have, but such as we do have, we give them to you, right? God's perfect timing so that he gets the glory and not us. So that's important. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. By the way, let me finish up James while you're turning there. It says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. When you're wishy-washy and you believe one second and not the next and you don't really hang on to the promises of God, you're like the sea driven back and forth, right? So we need to be steadfast in our prayers. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. And this is the confidence. Confidence is another word for faith. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Wow, that's, that's a bold declaration there, right? So we gotta have, we got to have faith. Faith is involved in prayer. What else? What else is involved in prayer? First of all, and this is in your questions, we must have proper desires. I know that God's not going to answer a prayer of yours that goes as number one with sin and goes against his will. So you're going to have proper desires uh, as a prerequisite to answer prayer. James 4, verses 2 and 3 says, You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have, and you cannot, cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask what? A miss that you may consume it upon your lust. Uh, if you go back to the original language that you ask a miss, means that you had the wrong motives. And again, improper desires is what I call it, right? Sometimes we can ask God for things that is not his will. It's out of alignment. It's improper motive. Most of the time we can know it's improper motive if it's really selfish, Right? And for our prayer to get answered, somebody else has to suffer. And 
how many know that's wrong? That's, that's asking amiss. Actually, it's the NIV that says if you don't receive, it's because you ask with wrong motives. You gotta have proper motives. You gotta have faith. You gotta have proper motives. Another thing that you must have, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, but it's the word. You have to have peace in your marital relationship in order to have an answered prayer. The Bible actually says that. It says, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Right? So it's important. Our marital relationships are important. You know, if you're mistreating your spouse and praying for God to do something great for you, probably not going to happen. That's his word. That's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, by the way, right? Yeah, it doesn't say that you both have to be, but in general, to see answered prayers, there's got to be a correct relationship with the spouse, right? That's a part of it. Why, why, is God, why does God say that? Because our earthly marital relationships are to imitate our relationship with God. So the way we love our spouse, God's love is like that, but it's even greater, right? And that's how we relate to him. Think about it. We were just, I think last week, talking about the Jewish wedding feast, right? And when we get to heaven, there's at least a ceremony, right? Wedding supper of the Lamb. Why? Because we actually learn how to love our spouse because of the way God loves us. Right? We learn to love, period, because He first loved us. So, what are the things we've said so far? Faith is a prerequisite, proper desires is uh, important. In other words, asking uh, in alignment with his will, having a relationship with our spouse that is not bad, having peace in your marital relationship. And then 1 Peter 4, 7 says, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Ah, that's important. You gotta be alert, sober mind. Is that is that talking about drinking? No, that's not talking about drinking. What's it what's it talking about? Sober. So real, something real, but also uh, when you're sober, uh, let's just say this: when you're not sober, what what happens is that you don't have a good insight on what's going on around you. You don't have a good mind. That's, that's correct. You don't have a sober mind. Not much wisdom. Inhibitions are, are, you know, out the window, right? Not focused. So he's saying have a focus and alert mind so that you can pray. Your mind is extremely important when it comes to prayer. And that is exactly where the devil 
will attack you so that you do not pray or that you do not pray effectively. The war on our lives most of the time is in our mind. I don't mean it's not real. I mean it's an attack upon our mind causing us to think incorrectly. Causing us to think thoughts like, uh, have you ever had the devil just tell you, God don't like you. He don't really love you. And if that don't work, he might say, well, you know, the people in church, they don't love you. They don't like you. Right? Does, does he operate like that? Sure. So there's an attack on the mind, so we must be alert and sober-minded. How do we stay alert and sober-minded? Absolutely. In the word of God. And prayer. Right? How do you know what to pray for? Most of what we do know to pray for and we can pray for is because of what God's word says. We have to be persistent in our prayers, right? We have to be sober-minded. Now, Paige has said something. I don't know if you heard it or not. But what do you do when you don't know what to pray or how to pray? Praying in the Holy Spirit. In, in tongues, as these Pentecostals say, we pray in tongues. Why? The Spirit knows, God understands heavenly language, absolutely. Uh, so that the enemy does not know what you are speaking about. Now, I, I would say, I started this just a few years ago. So when I pray, and then most of the time during my, you know, I'm spending an extended prayer time, I'll say, Holy Spirit, pray through me. Because I'm sure I've missed some things that I should have prayed for, or I've possibly prayed amiss, not because I, I, I necessarily had wrong motives, but I, I might have missed God's will somehow. So Holy Spirit, pray through me. And we typically end prayer with one word, and it's amen. Which means what? So be it. I'm in agreement. Right? So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, and you don't know what you're praying, but you know it's God, and you know that heavenly language that's coming through you, then when you quit praying that way, say amen. But I don't know what I said, Pastor. Oh, but the Holy Spirit does. And you want to be in alignment with him, right? So it's important that you pray that way. Uh, and I just thought of that a, a few years ago. I thought, I need to do that. Okay. So we got to be sober-minded. We've got peace with our spouse. We've got proper desires. We've got to have faith. And we've got to have obedience to God's word. Not just know his word, but obedience to his word, right? 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. See, we're supposed to be more than hearers of God's word, readers of God's word. We're supposed to be doers of God's word. And when you do his commandments, it actually shows that you love him. And then that's the right relationship to come to God in prayer, right? In a love relationship. 
How many of us we don't command God to do anything? We, we, we don't command. We ask God. We're, we're, we, we ought to be humble. That is that if we know God's word, and God's word says that he's provided this, that we can pray with boldness, say, God, this is in your word. I'm believing it. It's just like on Sunday morning when we have uh, people come forward for prayer. What do we do? We anoint them with oil, and we lay hands on them, and we pray for them. Why? Because that's what his word says to do, right? And we can know that word, but not ever do that word. And it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Right? So, God's backing up his word when we do his word. Right? And so, that's important. If there's an area in your life that you're not doing God's word, then it can hinder your prayer. You're not doing God's word in a certain area of your life. One more area that I would call a prerequisite of prayer. It's called holiness. Holiness. Now, Pastor, you're not talking about that group of people that all the ladies wear their hair down to here and their skirts down to the bottom. I'm not talking about a sect of Christianity or a particular style of dressing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a set-apart life, right? 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, by the way, that means men and women, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Well, those last two words are important. So he says, when you pray, some people get real disturbed at Pentecostals because we lift our hands when we pray. But this right here says lift up holy hands, right? And it says pray without wrath. Anybody besides me ever started to pray and God reminded you that he was mad about something and somebody? <sighs> Frustrating, isn't it? But he said don't pray with wrath, right? So that's important. So what do you do in that situation? Jesus said uh, that you, well, you go to the altar, but if you're at the altar and you're praying and you realize, actually it says you realize somebody's got something against you, then you go to them. Now wait a minute. So pastor, you're telling me that I don't feel like I did anything wrong, but somebody's mad at me, and I'm supposed to go to them? Yes. That's spiritual maturity. I didn't say that's easy. <laughs> I said that's spiritual maturity. To go to someone and say, I know you're upset with me. And you might not even know what you've done. To say, if I've done something to offend you, I, I want to make it right. I want our relationship to be restored, right? And, and sometimes it's not our fault. But he didn't say if you're wrong. He said if you're supposed to lift up holy hands without wrath, there's no issue. And without doubting. Doubting is that wavering. 
problem, right? And we don't want to doubt. Things that are important, prerequisites, I would say, of prayer, faith, proper desires or motives, not asking outside of God's will, proper husband-wife relationships, a sober mind, obedience to God's word, and holiness. Those are some of the things that we, I would call prerequisites to prayer. And that's not even just barely touching the edge of the, some of the things that are involved in prayer. Now, Pastor, do I have to know all these things in order to pray? No. What do we say prayer is? Communication. You can communicate with God at whatever level of communication you can do. You may have a doctorate and whatever. You may not have an education at all and you can still communicate with God. Now, we don't cop out and say, I don't know how to pray. Because prayer is just communication. One more thing about holiness. At least the supporting scripture. Psalms 24 verses 3 through 6. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. Talk about holiness. And a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity. Nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. That's prayer. That seek thy face, O Jacob. So, what is holiness? So, holiness is living a set apart life, not ruled by sin. I didn't say that you never sin, captive. You don't have that same relationship with sin that you had before you got saved. Because the Bible tells us if we say we have no sin, then we're a liar. But it's set apartness. Set apart for God's use and his purpose. Right? So there, there's a difference between us and the world. How many believe it's God's desire to answer prayers? Right? It is. It's his desire. He wouldn't teach his disciples how to pray it wasn't his desire to answer prayer, right? Just one supporting, another supporting scripture for that is Isaiah 65, verse 24. And it shall come to pass, I love this scripture, that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. That's how eager God is to answer our prayer. So, he's a God that wants to bless us. Wants to do, aren't you glad of that? Wants to do good for us. How, how many uh, times do we sometimes grow up with this mentality of God, and I say this because I know some people who still think this way, about God uh, standing in heaven with a big bolt of lightning, and he's ready as soon as you mess up to, shoot, you know, just, He's not, that's not the kind of God that he is. He wants and desires to answer our prayer because he loves us, right? God does not have to manufacture an answer for your prayer. He has already made provision in the past 
that he sent on the cross, it is finished, was the wholeness of God's plan. Totally finished. Yes, the work of salvation, but also everything, all together. It's finished. So God doesn't have to, well, wait a minute, they're praying for this, let me think of an answer. Aren't you glad of that? Because if people come to you and they ask a question, they want you to do something with you, sometimes you have to, let me think about it, right? Let me, let me come up with an answer. But God doesn't have to do that. He already knows the answer. He's already provided for it. So if God has already provided for the answer, how useless it is it for God to provide an answer and us not take advantage of it? That's why we need to know his word. That's why we need to pray and believe that God will answer. Prayer is not getting God to do something, but taking advantage of what he's already done. Let's go through the questions according to Luke. 11.2, Jesus had an what? Expectation that Christians should pray. According to verse 2, Jesus taught his disciples to pray to God as Father. This I mentioned, but hopefully you got it. We have what in prayer? Authority in prayer because we are a child of God. He is our heavenly Father. Remember again, authority in prayer is based upon relationship. If you have a relationship with the Lord, you can expect Him to move on your prayers, right? According to Hebrews eleven six, what that blank there is a prerequisite of answered prayer. Faith. Prayer is what with God. Communication. Communicating. We think about prayer as well. I'm going to start off and thank you, God, all this kind of stuff. But then I'm going to go right to my list of what I want you to do for me, right? What is real communication? It's not one way, but it's back and forth, right? Do we allow God to speak when we pray? You say, well, God can speak. I don't have to allow him. You give him time to? That's an important question, isn't it? You know, do you, do, you, do you get through praying and just sit and wait on God to speak? If you don't, make time for that. You'd be amazed what God will speak to you. And I'm not even saying audibly. He speaks to you in your mind, right? Reveal things to you. Question six, according to James 4, 3, we don't receive answer to prayer when we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our own lust. Question seven, this prayer tells us that having proper desires is a prerequisite to unanswered prayer. All right, according to 1 Peter 3, 7, if we don't treat our spouse correctly, our prayers can be right? According to question 9, according to 1 Peter 4, 7, we are to be alert and sober mind so that we may pray. Question 10, according to 1 John 3, 22, 
Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him if we keep his commandments. Right? And then finally, question 11. According to 1 Timothy 2.8, we are to pray lifting up holy hands.